Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today is, as I said earlier, a very special day. We have been exposed to a lot of unique gifts in 2019 here at Bethesda Church. As we opened up this uh, new facility, we've been able to bring in uh, some people that that have gifts and anointings that that we haven't been exposed to in the past. And today is going to be no different. I first um, met Pastor Tony Suarez. I met him a couple of years back at a conference in Tampa, Florida. Uh, He was given about a 10-minute window to get up and share, and he got up and within nine minutes had shared, and then the Holy Spirit fell in there and dropped like a bomb. Everybody was wrecked and didn't even know what to do next. And I'm like, I've got to meet this guy and and come to find out he was living at the time in Virginia Beach. He has since relocated to Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to give too much of the story away because he'll probably do that at, at the end today. But he, he has a, a very unique gift, a very unique gift that God has given him, an anointing. And, and so I want us to celebrate this. A uh, couple things I'm going to say about him. Um, he is not only a preacher, a pastor and evangelist, but a very influential leader. And I want to say to Pastor Tony and to Gina, we are truly, truly honored that you took time out of your schedule. You're not looking for places to preach, like people probably bugging you to death to get you to come. And we're truly honored that you guys took time to come and be here with us to make this investment. We love you guys. We love the gift and the calling on you guys. So here's what I want you guys to do. We have a 30-second video, a little intro video. At the end of that video, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to lose your mind for Pastor Tony and Gina just to let them know that you are thankful that not only they are here, but the kids are here too. So let's give a quick hand clap now, but we're really going to show them some love after this intro video. Thank you for being here. give a hand clap to Jesus like you believe that in the next 30 minutes he's going to save, deliver, restore, heal, redeem. Why don't you go crazy like you believe like the Holy Ghost is about to hit this house better and greater than it hit the Rise Conference in Tampa because I think God is about to move in this place. Would you give him praise? Would you pretend like you're Pentecostal and give God a praise the way he's worthy to be praised today? Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am so thankful to be here. And as the scripture says, it is not good for man to be alone. Hallelujah. So I brought my wife with me to church today. Amen. I'm so thankful to be here and thankful for what God is doing. 
We have five children. Uh, we lost one of them on the way to, we don't, we think he's in Tennessee. We think he's at a baseball tournament where we're not sure. We hope he's home when we get there. But with the four that I have currently with me, would they rise? Got two girls. They're, they're, now, they're 12 and 11. They're beautiful. They're on social media, but they're like, they can't date till they're like 47. We have three boys that are 15, 14, or how old are they now? About to be 15, 14, 9. 15, 14, and 9. They're for sale. They'll be available by the book table. <laughs> Especially if you are the father of a rich daughter, we would really like to talk to you after the service. We have a tall one, short one, and we got one that's good at baseball. They're able-bodied. We can let you watch them jog and stuff in the parking lot. You choose uh, what you want to do there. So they're available at the book table. And speaking of books, we have five hungry children at home. Please visit the book table because when you do, you help feed starving children in Tennessee. They can be seated. And uh, at that book table, I wrote a book a few years ago uh, called The Triumphant Church. And I was pastoring a church in Virginia. We went through all kinds of chaos and all kinds of stuff. And I was struggling. And, every, you know, every time you turn on the news, the country was struggling and everybody said the church was over in America. Christianity's on decline. Millennials don't want to go to church. Generation Z doesn't even know what the church is. And everybody's just giving up. And so I'm just a good Pentecostal preacher. And so, you know, we can't go to the bar. So I go to camp meeting. That's where we go when we need help. And so I go to camp meeting and uh, the bishop's there and he's preaching. He said, the, he said, the Holy Ghost told me there's a preacher in this room struggling and God told me to tell you. He didn't know I had that voice, but I do. God told me to tell. And the reverb helps. Thank you, sound man. You made me sound like bad to the bone. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you. You need to pray. God, give me a book of Acts. So I did it because I'm obedient. I'm like, oh, God, give me a book of Acts, church. He says, have you read the book of Acts? I'm like, Jesus, I'm Pentecostal. It's the only one I read in the Bible. Of course I've read the book of Acts. So I start reading through the book of Acts and I see things I don't, I've never seen before. Like Acts chapter 1, they don't know how to wait on the Lord. Acts chapter 2, they're irrelevant. They're already being made fun of. Acts chapter 3, there's a poor man who needs money. And Peter John said, silver and gold have we none. The ministry's already broken. It's only a third chapter of the book of Acts. It just keeps going on. There's corruption. There's racism. There's bigotry. There's all kind. Everything. Everything that exists in the 21, in the 20, I almost sound like, Somebody that lives on Pennsylvania Avenue. Everything that exists in the 21st century church, Ms. Gina, existed in the first century church. But they had signs, miracles, and wonders, victory, all kinds, because we're built on this promise that the gates of hell cannot, shall not, will not prevail against the church. And for 20 centuries, for 20 centuries, people have prophesied the demise of the church, yet the church continues to grow, the, the church continues to thrive. And if that was true, for the first 20 centuries, that's true for the, for, the, for the 21st century. And then I work for a man, an incredible man, Apostle Prophet Banter, Apostle, he's just incredible man. His name is Pastor Sam Rodriguez. He just wrote a book called You Are Next, and that's available on the book table. And then Miss Gina, hallelujah, blessed be the name of the Lord. We're, we're, we just got married in December, so I still... I still, you know, I still, I still say her name. I'm like, Gina. So Gina recorded a CD. <laughs> I promise I'm not doing that because she's here. Uh, anyhow, uh, Gina recorded a CD and that's available as well. But I'm very thankful to have my wife with me and to be traveling with me and to have our kids with uh, four, four fifths of our children with us today. 
And Gene uh, is going to bless us. You sing. He's going to bless us in song. And then I'm going to come back and hopefully I can recover from this really bad introduction. So would you welcome Gina today? It's an honor to be at Bethesda. Such a blessing. How many can say that you're so thankful that we have the freedom to worship anytime we want? We can come to church anytime we want. We should be in church every time the doors are open, right? <laughs> um, but this song that I'm about to sing is called Unfair Trade. And above the freedom that we have to worship, how blessed that we are that Jesus gave his all for us. He died on the cross for us. He gave his life for us. All for this nothing that we are. And sometimes you think, God, you've given it all, but what do I have to give back to you? But in the process, I'm gonna give my all. Even though it seems like an unfair trade that he gave all of the wonderful that he is for the nothing that I am, I am gonna give it all to him. Worship with me.
Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you that you love me enough to die for me and to come back to life for me. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. If you'll remain standing for just one moment, I want to pray before we get into the Word of God today. Um, there, was a, there, there was a very strong anointing. In the first service, I, I feel it. I still feel it in this house right now. I still feel it here. Uh, it's very tangible. It's very real. And maybe this is very new to you. I just want you to know that we serve a very real God who is not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not just the God of Daniel in the lion's den or Samson and Delilah or every other Bible story you've ever read, but he's the God of Bobby and Jimmy and Susie and Kathy and Michael, Miguel. He, he's the God of Tony and Gina and Chad and Mylon. He's our God and he's real. And anything you've ever read about him is still true today. And any powerful thing you think he's ever done before, he can do it today. You've heard about him parting the waters so that the Israelites could cross. God can do that for you. Maybe it's not a physical river you need open, but there's something God can open for you today. And I want you to take the limits off God today. Take him out of the box, whatever, whatever box you have him in, whatever restrictions you've put on him, take him out of that and just let him be God today. Just let him be God. The Bible says to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you got to be like a kid. Kids have crazy imaginations wild imagination. So I want you to let go and say, God, I'm going to just give you permission to blow my mind today. I'm going to give you permission to just be God and leave me awestruck today at the awesome working power of God. Amen. Allow me to pray over you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you that your presence is here in a mighty, mighty way. And I ask that today you'd open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to discern what thus saith the word of the Lord. And I ask you, God, to confirm it today with signs, miracles, and wonders, tangible presence here today, that when we leave this house, we'll say, surely... We've been in the presence of the almighty God of Israel. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Our relationship with God 
is because, primarily because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed, and because of that sacrifice, we've now become joint heirs with Christ to the promises of God the Father, which means that everything that belongs to Him now belongs to me. All the goodness of God now belongs to me. Everything He has, I now have access to. And one of the important things that we have access to, that we have been given, is the Word of God. There's, the Bible says there's power in the word of God. The Bible says his word cannot return void. And so we are connected to God through the blood and we're connected to God through his word. The word lets me know that I'm a joint heir with Christ. The word says that I can ask and I'll receive, that I can seek and I will find. And the book of Luke says not only will I receive, but the book of Luke says that when I receive it, it's going to be pressed down, it's going to be shaken together, and it's going to be running over. The book lets me know in Matthew that if I ask, anyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and he that knocketh, it shall be opened. That is a promise that you can take to the bank. It is a guarantee. This, ladies and gentlemen, is your warranty. It is your benefits package. It's the promise. It's the thing that you can hold on to. It's the thing that when life goes wrong, you come back to the manual and you say, how do I take care of that? Okay, Psalms 38, Psalms 27, Luke 18, Acts 2, Genesis 2. I can find what I need right here. My brother bought me a set of knives a few years ago for Christmas. They're called Tony's Titanium Knives. He bought them because, well, my name is Tony. How you doing? And so he buys me these knives because he thought it'd be cool to get Tony Tony's knives. And so he gives me the knives. And in the knives is a certificate of authenticity. They're numbered. Like this is number one million of one million and two. I mean, like, you know, so I get the certificate. And in there it says, got a lifetime guarantee that the knives will never go dull. They'll never break. And if they ever do, they're going to replace all the knives. He got it off of like a one in the morning infomercial when you shouldn't be watching television. But anyways, he's watching television. He gives me these knives. And he's all, you know, excited. He gets me the knives. Younger brother. Hope he's watching. I love you so much. And so he gets me the knives. And about a year later, they break. So I call the phone number listed on the certificate. And someone with a very, well, I'm not going to talk if they had an accident or not. But somebody answers the phone. And they asked me if they can help. And I said, yeah, you know, knives broke. And they said, well, that company's out of business. And I said, well, okay, so what do I do with the warranty? They're like, yeah, that warranty is junk, my friend. <laughs> you got taken. Because the warranty was only as good as the life of the company. So now I got lives with a lifetime war a warranty that's void. They, they essentially, they lied. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And so this is the way most of our lives have gone. So many people have lied to us, done us wrong. They've said one thing and then they've done the other. And so we're now conditioned to not believe people. We're conditioned to be cynical. You don't trust a salesman. You don't trust anybody that says, somebody says, this is the best. You're like, yeah, right. This is the rock bottom price. Yeah, until, Latin, until next week. I mean, we don't trust people because we, we have a hard time taking people at their word after we've been lied to and taken so many different times. And so now we're cynical. And if we're not careful, that bleeds into our relationship with God. So now we hear a verse that says, ask and you shall receive. You're like, yeah, except for that one time. Seek and you shall die. Like, well, I've been seeking for a little minute here, Jesus. I ain't find nothing. And so now we get cynical, you know. Everything that you ask according to his name in his will, it shall be given unto thee. You're like, well, Lord, I asked you for like 27 things in 2018. I didn't see it. 
And so now we start getting cynical. We start having issues trusting people because life has conditioned us not to trust people. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the Bethesda jury, I'm here to tell you that even when Tony's titanium knives fail, even when a spouse has failed, even when your boss has failed, the economy has failed, the government has failed, the, the, anyone else has failed, I want you to know there is something on the face of the earth that will not fail. It is tried and true for thousands of years. This right here, the Bible says, his word cannot return void. If God said it, he will. He's obligated by the word. It shall come to pass. But you got to know the word. You got to know what's written in this scripture. You got to know. My father was a fanatic. I mean, a fanatic about the word of God. We had to read the Bible all the way through every year in our church. We had to carry, my dad in the middle of church would say, all right, raise your Bible. And we'd have to like have our Bible and he would inspect. He'd be like, mm-hmm, keyboardist, where's your Bible? Oh, you don't have a Bible? Get off of the keyboard right now. Oh my God. Well, but that's how, we, but my dad grew up in a country where they were burning Bibles. My father grew up in a place where they were taking, they were threatening to kill pastors and they were leaving, they were bombing churches. My I grew why, why, Suarez, why are you so weird? Why are you so crazy? Why are you so fanatic? Because my family came out of fanatic and weird situations. They threw bombs in my grandparents' church to kill the Christians and to eliminate the tongue-talking Pentecostals that were in Colombia. Government-sanctioned bombings of churches, but my family survived. And I asked my grandma, I said, what did you do when they threw the bomb in? I mean, did you call 911? I mean, did you hire the, the attorney that's on TV at, you know, I mean, like the one between Days of Our Lives and, and General Hospital? Because he gets you all the, I mean, did you hire him? And I said, what did you do? And she said, she said, Tony, we would form a circle around the bomb and we'd start rebuking the bomb in the name of Jesus. And rather than the bomb explode, the bomb would just turn off and then we'd kick it out the door and we'd keep having church. That's the kind of, that's my heritage. That's the way I was raised. So when I tell you that there's no cancer that God can't heal and there's no devil that God can't re rebuke out of your life, I'm telling you that I come from a family that kicks bombs out of doors and they keep worshiping and they keep praising God. And that was true for my grandparents and there's no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper, says the word of God. And if that was true for my grandma, that's true for your grandma and that's true for you. I don't care what the enemy has thrown at you. I don't care what looks like it's about to explode in your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Where'd you get that from, Tony? That's in the word. Hallelujah. Pastor, you don't understand. The enemy's rising up against me. It's like, it's like a flood. It's like he's just coming up against me. Well, that's okay because the Bible says that when the enemy rises up against you, the Lord will rise up a standard against him. That's in your benefits package. Well, Suarez, I feel broke. What's well, all right. The Bible says, let the poor say they are rich. Well, I feel weak. The Bible says, let the weak say they are strong. There's nothing that you're not going through that the word has not already addressed and has not already given you an escape clause and has not already given you a promise that you're going to come out better than the way you went in. Even when you lose everything, Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You somebody give him praise in the house. But, but to have that faith, you got to know the word. You have to know what's here. Faith is conceived at hearing the word of God. 
That's where, that, that's conception. Conception is that spark of life. That's where everything begins. So the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear the word, when you read the word, whether it's in a sermon, whether it's prophecy, whether it's reading the actual Bible or reading a book or hearing Pastor Chad, who basically only speaks the rhema word of God every time he utters a word. It's like the 67th book of the Bible. So when you hear these things, you're getting a word. That sparks, that, that sparks, that's the conception right there. That's where faith is conceived. I'm hearing something, and so now I, 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 I'm inspired to believe. That's where it starts. The Bible says, ask, and you'll, you shall find. God can't violate his word. You know what Hebrews 4 and 12 says? It says in, in the Amplified Version, it says, now the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. It's active, operative, energizing, and effective. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the divining line of the breath of life. That's the, that's the word that God has spoken into existence for you. That's forever settled. That's why you can speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. That's why he that watches over Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. I didn't understand that till I had kids. I didn't understand God as father till I had children. And then, I, and then I'm like, I got you. I get you. Because I neither sleep nor slumber going on like 15 years now. Now I get it. It says, if any two come into agreement on anything here on earth, it shall be given to them. That's, you can take that to the bank. You can trust. You can trust that. You can trust that it shall come to pass. So I'm, my faith is now conceived. It's sparked. I've heard the word of God. I, now I have something. Something's pregnant on the inside of me. I'm inspired. I believe. I'm going to take the world by storm. But it's what you do next that births faith and the miracle into existence. So I want to learn how to live a life of faith. I want to learn how to be, not just have faith, but be faithful. I want to learn how to be full of faith and be faithful. So to learn that, I got to learn from somebody that's good at faith. I'm not good at fixing cars. Like right now, the windshield wiper fluid won't come out of the car, and I don't know why. Maybe it needs the fluid. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with it. So I, I heard something. They're like, wow, this guy's interesting. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. No, I, I really don't know. And so, it, and no, don't judge me. It's not the windshield wiper fluid. It's got the fluid, but it won't come out. And so I don't know how to fix, I don't know how to fix cars. I don't, I, I can't fix cars. My dad was determined when I was a young man, you know, Latino father, you know, there's this whole deal about we got to be macho. We got to be, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. And so he gets all the young men in the church together. And you guys are going to learn to be men. Men change the oil in the car. And men mow the lawn. And men, and I'm, you know, like I'm over there, you know, sockless, you know, in my, in my khakis. I'm like, uh, I'm like, yes, they do. And men play golf at the, no, I'm kidding. I'm not. But anyways, so they're getting through, and so he asked this guy in our church, Carlos, whose dad owns a transmission shop. He said, Carlos, if you get a flat tire, what do you do? Carlos goes, I change the tire. My dad looks at me. He goes, Tony, if you get a flat tire, what do you do? I said, I call Carlos. I mean, what else do you want me to do? Come on. I mean, that's what I do. <laughs> if you want to learn how to be a good mechanic, hang out with somebody that's good at fixing cars. You want to be a good, you want to be good at business? Learn from somebody who's actually good at business. I mean, do more than the online course. Find a mentor that's good at the trade, at the thing you're seeking, and learn from them. Because I learn 
by, I, I, I want to hang out with successful people. I look at the people that God surrounds me with and it lets me know the level that God's trying to take me to. All right, God should, you should always be trying to surround yourself with a circle of people that are just a little, and I'm not saying that you don't leave the circle and be like, sorry, I have already graduated from this level, but you were good last year. I'm going, I'm going up yonder. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying you need to surround yourself with successful people. Make sure the people around you have a healthy marriage if you want to have a healthy marriage. Make sure if, if you're trying to be good at business, surround yourself with good people that are good at money. Okay, because if you're good at money and everyone around you is bad at money, you're gonna be landing out a whole lot of money. I mean, come on, somebody. I'm just saying, like, sir, look at who you're surrounded with. So when I want to learn faith, I want to look at somebody who's good at faith. So there's a man in the Bible named Abraham who's called the father of our faith. I'd say that's pretty good if you're called the father of the faith. Father, I mean, they're writing songs about you. Had many sons. Apparently, I took after Abraham. So, anyways, the point is, I want to learn. From somebody that's good. So I study Abraham's life. Abraham is 90 years old and God comes and says, you're going to have a, you're going to have a son. And it happens. So if you want to know where Abraham's faith is sparked, where it's conceived, it's that he got a word and the word came to pass. So now he has an, ex he has, he has an experience with God. So he knows, you know what, when this man talks, stuff happens. So he knows that when God speaks, I need to respond. So this is what I read in Genesis chapter 22. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Or, yes, sir. There's no, hold up. Let me take care of something. I'll be with you. Just give me a second. Okay. Sup. God speaks. Abraham answers. He knows that when God speaks, you got to answer. You got to be quick, ladies and gentlemen. You got to be quick. God speaks. God tells you to do something. You jump. Yes, sir. It's the kind of kids I would. I mean, I have. I mean, this is the kind of kids I have. I speak and they're like. <laughs> Especially that little one sitting right there by Gina. Zachary. I talk and he's like, yes, sir, daddy. Then God says. Hey, you know that son? Now, he's got two, okay? Remember, he says, you know the one you love? Which, I mean, lets us know the other one's in counseling. You know the one you love? Sacrifice him. And you don't find in Scripture where Abraham says, but I love that one. He's the one I like. You don't find him arguing with God. You don't try him trying to negotiate the price. Say, well, how about I just, I mean, what if we just like, what if we just like twist his ankle? I mean, like, do I really got to sacrifice? What if we just, you know, kind of give him a charlie horse? He doesn't argue. He obeys. He obeys. God speaks and Abraham obeys. Abraham there was a movement, there was a time, and I'm, I'm, I'm not making mockery, I've been trying to help, but there was a time in the body of Christ where we were talking a whole lot about naming it and claiming it. Naming and claiming, naming and claiming, naming and claiming. Money cometh, money cometh. Well, then the money didn't cometh. <laughs> Abraham is not the father of the naming and claiming movement. He is the father of the hear it and obey it movement. Because God would speak and Abraham would obey. God would say, do this, and Abraham would do it. And if you're going to live a life of faith, you got to know how to hear the word of God and obey the word of God. Because obedience is the prequel to the miracle. If you're going to have a miracle, you have to know how to obey. Because his miracles come with some instructions required. 
There's obedience. You say, how do I know that? Well, go dip in the river seven times. Go march around the wall. Go wash yourself. Go blow the trumpet. Go shout. Why? Because there's something we do to show our obedience to him. And so he says, take, this, take the one you love and sacrifice him. And this is what Abraham says. This is the next reason why Abraham is blessed. Now, give you, give you a little more context here so you understand. Abraham, Abraham goes to the mountain and he tells his servants, the lad and I are going to go worship. Well, that's not what God said. God said sacrifice. But what God calls sacrifice, Abraham calls it worship. This is different than us. I grew up in church and I love church. I mean, like I'm a churchaholic. I mean, like I'm a church junkie. I love all kinds of church. I love church and I love, and I even love, you know, your little, you know, little hippie church or your hip, you know, I, I love it all. But when I grew up in church, we used to sing, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And so we always talked about, come and give God the sacrifice of praise. Give him the sacrifice. I know it hurts, but give him the sacrifice. And we'd come and, God, here is my sacrifice. That's different than Abraham. Because what God calls sacrifice, Abraham calls it worship. Because Abraham doesn't view giving to God as something that hurts, as something that's costly, as something that I do with tears. He views it as a moment to show God, you're awesome. I respect you. I admire you. And whatever I have, it's because of you. So even though it might hurt a little bit, this is worship. Because I'm acknowledging the majesty and the wonder that is you. It's different. It's just a little bit different than us. He calls it worship. Ladies and gentlemen, anytime God asks you to give him something, it, I, I know that human logic says, oh, yeah, but how? And don't worry, I'm not preaching about money. Whoever's starting, oh, Lord, here we go into the money talk right now. And I'm not going there right now. But I'm saying anytime God says, pray a little more, fast a little more, give a little more, sacrifice a little more, you can't say, oh, but that's going to hurt. You got to say, you know what? It's worship because you gave me when I didn't deserve. You died for me when I didn't deserve. You shed blood for me when I didn't deserve it. So to whom much is given, much is required. I give you my all. I give you my life. I give you everything that I have. And I do it in worship and adoration. That's what worship is. Worship is acknowledging you're greater. Worship is acknowledging I have this, this, and this, but you're the greatest thing I have. So what are, whatever I have, I realize it belongs to you. So I say, take it all. That's what Abraham is doing on that mountain. He's acknowledging God and he knows something about giving to God because he tells his servants the lad and I will go and worship and then we'll come back listen to the phraseology there listen to the grammar listen to what he said because that's not what God said God said come and sacrifice that boy Abraham said the lad and I are going to worship and we're going to come back down it's as if Abraham already knew when you give something to God you never come back empty handed when you give something to God God takes it he sanctifies it he blesses it and he gives it back to you pressed down shaken together and running over he went up with a boy that he loved he came back down with an Isaac come on somebody give God praise. I'm prophesying to you that God, what you're about to give to God, God's not going to take it from you. God's about to sanctify that thing. He's about to bless that thing and he's about to give you back that thing because you gave it to God in worship. So I read this story about Abraham. I read, you know, the uh, historical, I know it sounds funny to say this, but there's historical economists 
And so when they look at Abraham's story, they say that in today's money, he was worth $3 billion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm humble. In fact, I'm humble and I'm humble. I'm both of them. And so I said, Jesus, I don't need $3 billion. I can just take $1 billion. Hallelujah. Because I read that story. And I said, oh, God, bless me like Abraham. And he spoke back to me. He said, oh, Tony, obey me like Abraham. Abraham was blessed not because he believed. Abraham was blessed because he obeyed. Because he took the word, he, obe he believed the word, and because he believed the word, he obeyed the instructions with the word. He did, there's, there's got to be action with the, with the word. James, uh, the book of James says, if you say you have faith, show me your actions. Because through your actions, I'll see your faith. He says, you believe there's one God? Great, cool, big deal. Big deal. The demons believe there's one God. So you're monotheistic, you're Judeo-Christian values, you believe there's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You believe Deuteronomy 6 and 4, you believe there's one God and there's none beside him. You believe all that. That's great. That proves nothing. Show me your works. Show me your works. It's not that work saves you, but it's there that I can see if you really believe what you say you believe. Because in the church, we're really good at counseling people. Somebody's going through a store. Baby, you just got pray, baby. Baby, you just got pray. Baby, you ought to go on a 21-day fast. Ask that same person, have you ever gone on a 21-day fast? No, I can't. You know, I'm a diabetic. But I heard that they're real good. Well, you know, when you go on one, then tell me to go on one. You need to pray. I had someone come to me one time. I was going through something. They're like, they're like, oh, I just, I just really feel like you just need to pray. You just need to have an all night prayer meeting. You just need to pray. You do, Pentecostals. I mean, we're like, we can't just like touch and agree and pray. We're like, you got to go on a 52 night, all night prayer meeting. Just all night, all night, all night, all night, all night, all night. That's great. And I'm like, would, would you pray with me? And they're like, no, I see. I gotta, I gotta go to work. I gotta go work. I, I'm like, well, you know what? Because we're good at telling other people what to do. But I have to learn to get the word, obey the word, and put it into action if I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. So this is what happens when you get a word. I'm trying to help, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand from conception to birthing of the miracle. You get a word. You hold on to that word. You obey the instructions with the word. And then sometimes you know what you see? Nothing. For those of you that speak Spanish, nada. You see Nothing. You see nothing. Well, in the nothing, you know what's happening? The words at work for you. Because the word's alive. Lazarus died, and people say he was dead in the tomb. Well, that might be true, but there was life in the tomb. How do you know it? Because Lazarus didn't go to the tomb alone. He had a word. This sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He didn't go to the tomb alone. He had a word. You're not going through the situation you're going through alone. You have a word. You're, whatever marital problem you're having or whatever's going on with your kids or whatever's going on with your money, you got a word and you got to hold on to that word. You got to trust the word and you got to obey the word in season and out of season. You got to do the things that the word said to do, even when it doesn't make sense, because I got to trust that this is greater than anything I'm living through. This is more important than anything, whatever human logic, whatever I'm going through. Bible says that there's these three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They love Jesus. This is, their house is Jesus's green room. This is where Jesus goes and hangs out after the Jesus revivals. They eat with him. This is, this is his taco bar. This is his pasta dinner. This is for you healthy people. This is his keto diet. I mean, this is where he goes for food. Nobody knows Jesus like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
And Lazarus gets sick. And they said, Master, the one you love is sick. And Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Conception, there's a word. I got a word. I got something to hold on to. I got something to cling to. And then Jesus doesn't move. Bible says Lazarus dies. And Jesus tells the disciples, um, hey, Lazarus is sleeping. Let's go wake him up. And the disciples, you know, they still don't understand that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. They said, uh, Jesus, he, he's sick. I mean, let, let the man rest. I mean, let's let him sleep. That's good. Jesus is like, my, my bad. I'm sorry. I was talking to you like God. Sometimes I forget. You know, I got a lot going on here. So, I'm sorry. Let me talk to you like a man. Uh, he's dead. Now, let me take a time out right there. This, I feel like this is a Pentecostal side of the room. Let me take a time out right there. I want to thank God that what we call death, Jesus calls it a nap. Or from my culture, Jesus calls it a siesta. Come on, somebody. So Jesus, Jesus says, he, yeah, he's dead. Let's go wake him up. And he shows up. And when he shows up, there's, no, there, there's not that amazing worship you know, team that you all have right here. There's nobody on the other side saying, behold, he comes riding on a cloud. There's no Pentecostal. He's an on time. Oh, God. Yes, he is. He shows up and Martha comes out. Martha has a little attitude. Martha comes out. She says, you late. I know you can't see that in scripture, but just stick with me because I see stuff that's not even there. Okay. She comes out. You late. A little attitude. I think she, I think she's my people. I think she's Latina. Tu esta tarde. You late. I see, I see her though. You late. She said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is like, I'm here. Ta-da. But what she's saying is, but you're not here on my time. You're not here when I thought you were supposed to be here. So because you didn't do it my way, now I'm going to cop an attitude with you. If you'd have been here when I asked you to come, something would have happened. And he says, you know, because he's, you know, he's the prince of peace. The mighty counselor or the wonderful counselor. He says, Martha, your brother will live again. She goes, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the resurrection, I know world will fly. Oh, fly away. I know, I know. One day, you know, by and by, I know. And he's like, Martha, look, like, I'm, you're going to make me say stuff I'm not supposed to say yet because I'm still trying to fulfill some prophecy and like not everybody knows who I am, but I am the resurrection and the life, girl. I mean, like, stop it already. Like, man, we're going to mess up Isaiah right now because I'm going to have to go ahead of time. But, girl, I am the resurrection in the life. She says, one day, I know one day, one day, one day. Well, what Jesus is telling her is that, Martha, lose your attitude because what you think is going to happen one day is about to happen today because resurrection power, come on, just showed up. Woo! I felt it when I said it, Bethesda. I felt it when I said it, Bethesda. Resurrection power has visited Bethesda today. And whatever you thought was dead is about to come back to life. That ministry, that marriage, ah, table shot. I feel like God's about to breathe resurrection power in this house. And you know what she says? She didn't, you, you're good. You're good Christians. You said amen. She just said, hey man, I believe. She said, whatever. That's what she said. 
And Jesus said, take me to Lazarus. Why is he doing all of this even when she has an attitude? Because he already released a word. And his word can't return void. Do you know that your attitude can't stop the word of God? Do you know your rebellion can't cancel the word of God? Your sin can't stop the word. It might delay it, but it won't deny it. At some point, when you line back up with his word, his word shall come to pass because he's not a man that he should lie. If God spoke it, it always will happen. And so even with an attitude, Jesus shows up and he says, where's Lazarus? He says, move the stone. And Martha says, all right enough is enough I know I asked you to heal him I appreciate you showing up there's chicken that we can all eat at the house I know you're really here for the food anyways so we got chicken at the house but he is too dead that's what it says 11 John eleven thirty nine. 39 for he stinketh for he hath been dead I think it was four or six days she said what she's saying is he's too dead this is too impossible for you to do what I asked you to do Proving that you can have faith to ask and not have faith to receive. You can have faith at the beginning and somehow lose your faith along the journey. But I want to thank God that even at times when I've lost my faith, his word is made perfect in my weakness. That even when I can't believe, he still says, you know what he says, Martha? He said, Martha, if you'll believe, you're about to see the glory of God. And I just, I have an inkling that even though Martha was copping an attitude, and even though Martha was sarcastic, and even though Martha was a little annoyed, I think even though Martha left two stars on Jesus' Facebook review page, I got a feeling that even in all of that, Martha's, he, she said, he said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. I, got, I just got a hunch that Martha just, you know, she just kind of stirred up just a little bit of faith. Well, let me tell you another song we used to sing in the church. He used to say, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got because all you need is a mustard side seed of faith. And so it's as if she just stirred up this a little bit of faith. And you know what happened next? You know what the story is. Come on. This is a good Bible theologian. This is, I feel like I'm preaching to theologians here today. You know what happened. The next thing is that a man that was called dead was now hopping out of a tomb with life back, uh, life, life in him. And now, 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 ladies and gentlemen, this is a word for somebody. When he came out of the tomb, he came out hopping in grave clothes. He was still dressed like a dead man. I mean, Lazarus, so, uh, uh, forgive me, Lazarus did not come out of there. That's not how Lazarus came out. He, Lazarus still looked like the situation he had just come out of. Lazarus still looked like death, but there was life in the midst of death whom I'm preaching to right now. You might look like the hell that you've lived through, but I declare there's resurrection power under the grave clothes. There's life under the grave clothes. There's healing under the sickness. There's riches under the poverty. There's joy under the depression. And you know what's the next word that Jesus said? He said, loose him huh? and let him go. I'm going to take away the grave clothes. Everything that identified you with death, I'm about to take it away and you'll no longer be known as Lazarus, the dead man. You'll be known as Lazarus, the resurrected man. I'm, prophe I'm prophesying to someone that God is about to strip away the dead, strip away the sickness, strip away the pain, and you'll be known as more than a conqueror. You're going to be known as a victor, not a victim, and it will be said of you, greater is the God that is in you than he that is in the world. I wish you'd praise him. Hallelujah.
Musicians, come. It might help me stop. <laughs> greater, 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 greater is he that is in you, he that's in the world. Oh, by the way, before I forget, I know this sounds a little grotesque, but there's something I know about when bodies are buried. At some point, little creatures will get in there and they say, <laughs> they think it's a buffet. In my case, they'll be like, oh, we're, we're eating Mexican today. Hallelujah. All right. So, <laughs> like, ah, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Did you be laughing? They see some of you, they're like, oh, it's fried chicken again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pork and beans. Hallelujah. <laughs> Little creatures will get in there. And, they, <laughs> and then spiders will come, and they'll eat the creatures that ate the flesh of the cadaver. And mice will eat the spiders that eat the creatures that eat the flesh of the cadaver. And birds eat the mice. Oh, actually, snakes. Yeah, let's add them in there. Oh my God, snakes. <laughs> Welcome to Haunted Halloween Epithesda. So the snakes eat the mice that eat the spiders that eat the creatures. I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> birds eat the snakes that eat, you, you get the point. At this point, I'm going too far. But Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, this is in my head. It's not in the scripture, but it's in my head. I think there was a bird flying around that all of a sudden said, mm. and, a, and a snake said, and a mouse came out, and the mouse said, yeah, I'm out of here. Ooh. And the spider, and the spider, and, because when Lazarus came out, Lazarus didn't come out missing an ear. He didn't come out holding eyeballs. Hey, can somebody help me with these? I don't know. I'd like, where did these go? He didn't come out hopping on one leg. He came out better than the way he went in. Everything was returned to him. Now you say, why you tell me that? Because I'm prophesying over you that everything that hell tried to steal from you, everything that hell tried to eat away from you, when God speaks a word of restoration over you, everything that belongs to you is coming back to you and coming out with you. Your children, your finances, your men, it's coming. It's got, I don't care what he tried to steal, it's coming back. I don't care what he tried to eat away, it's coming back. I don't care how many years you've lived in despair, God is about to restore the years that the locusts have eaten away. God is about to do the work you. say Suarez upon what authority do you preach the word out of my testimony out of our collective testimony the seven of us you see us here we're laughing joking we're having a good time trying to sell the boys don't want to marry off the girls and you know you, you, you hear everything you, you, you got to know We've lived through hell and high water. Gina and her husband, Corey, pastored a great church in Michigan, had two beautiful babies. And then for reasons I'll never understand, Gina can't, for reasons no one can ever understand. 10 years ago, God took Corey home, passed away from cancer, leaving a five-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl. 10 years alone, 10 years. And I admire, and not just because she's my wife and she's here, but I admire. I admire any I admire any male or female that will step up to the plate as a single parent and say, I don't care what life is thrown at me. I will raise my children for the admonition of the Lord, and I'm going to give my kids the best life I can ever give them. I applaud every single parent that's in this room.
for not giving up on your kids. And she didn't for 10 years. I was pastoring a church in Virginia Beach. I had three children. Death visited our home about three years ago when the mother of my children was diagnosed with leukemia and she passed away. I don't understand life. I don't understand why things happen the way they do. I don't understand why we have to go through the things we went through. I buried my dad 15 months before I buried Jessica. I buried their great-grandfather in between all of that. I don't understand why we live through what we live through. And there was days where it was very difficult. There were days when we didn't understand what we're going through and how we're going to make it. But we had a word. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We had a word. The weak can say they're strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's a word in here. There's a promise you need to get a hold of. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. A mentor in my life named Bishop T.F. Tenney called me and he said, Brother Tony, sometimes you have to will it into existence. Sometimes you have to say, I will rejoice. I will. Sometimes it's a decision. Because sometimes the day doesn't give you a whole lot to rejoice about. But you make the decision, I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. When Jessica passed from this life, my children gathered around her deathbed. My oldest, who's not here right now because he's pastoring a baseball game right now where he's going to win in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak home runs. I to speak home runs. Father, anoint that bat right now. Amen. So he makes me money. He can be my retirement package one day in the name of Jesus. Father, just anoint him. Let the Chicago White Sox sign him. Hallelujah. Sign him. Jesus, let him be signed. Okay, I'm back. All right. Cole went to his mother's bedside and he said, Mom, <clears throat> I don't want I, I want you to I want you to come home but I don't want you to have cancer and they say there's no cancer in heaven so if you have to go to heaven I understand he said but I'm gonna live for God and I'm gonna make you proud and he said mom I know you wanted to see us saved he said I, I'm sorry we never got baptized but if daddy gives me permission we're gonna be baptized at your funeral and at her funeral I took all three of those babies and baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and that six that boy that's now nine was six years old he came out of the water not speaking English not speaking in Spanish he's speaking in other tongues as the Holy Ghost baptized him right there and then at his mama's funeral you know what that means that means the comforter the mighty God the comforter came to the funeral he's and there was days where it was hard but those days, we saw our best days and our worst days. And there was a man that 10 years ago laid on a deathbed in Michigan. And he wrote his last song. You know what he said? He said, you control it all. You control it all. The good and the bad. The happy and the sad. You control it all. I can rest in your arms because I know you control it all. He didn't say, why me? He said, you control it all. And when he passed from his life, his last words where we are redeemed. Pump in his fist. We are redeemed. We win. You know what that lets you know? That when we live through hell, our family didn't lose its praise and our family didn't lose its victory. We walked through the valley of the shadow of death and there's seven people that can now testify. We were broken, but now we're whole. We were hurting, but now we're healed. We didn't know what life would, but now we're on the other side and we can say, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? What held us together? It was a word. It was a word. Gina had a word. I had a word. And we didn't know each other. And then I said all of that to get to this point because this is a good part for me. I met Gina last year. Took her on a date. You saw her. 
she's too pretty to be my wife. And I was very aware of it on our first date. I'm still aware of it, honey. But I'm saying I was very aware. <laughs> Man, this microphone, I rebuke the devil out of this microphone right now. I told her on the first date I was going to marry her. She said, you don't know my middle name. I said, boo, when am I ever going to have to know your middle name? I'm like, when does that ever come up? I didn't call her boo. I promise. I just... But we started dating. And uh, I, was, I was believing. I was believing. <laughs> and I go to a camp meeting in Ohio. There's a man preaching named David Crank. 6,000 people there. And David Crank says, come here. The Lord just spoke to me about you. The Lord says to tell you, this year, says the Lord, I'm reassembling your marriage. I'm restoring your joy. The Lord says, I'm bringing that person into your life this year. And that hole that's in your heart for the pain that your kids, that, 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 that's the thing that hurts you the most. God says, their mom is with me, but I'm about to give them a new mom. The Lord says, enjoy your time off, son, because you're about to get, you're about to find her. And the Lord says, I'm going to do this thing this year. What David doesn't, didn't know as I was leaving that service to get on an airplane, to fly to Michigan, to meet her first set of in-laws, to say, I love Gina, I love these kids, and if we can ever break her down, I want to marry her one day, and I'm going to honor the memory of your son. That's what I was flying to Michigan to say, the same day that I get that word. And before I could even talk to her father-in-law, Bishop McCool, he says to me, he says, Brother Tony, by any chance, do you know it? A fella by the name of David Crank. I said, well, yes, I do. Watch this. Whew, there's an anointing on the notes. Hallelujah. I, pull, <laughs> I pulled out my phone and I'm like, watch this. Lady, this had only happened like two hours before. You say, how'd you get the video? That man, When I got that word, I fell out. I, f I mean, I was on the ground, but when I fell out, I had my phone with me. I was texting. I'm like, somebody give me this video right now because Gina will never believe this word in Jesus' name. Amen. I was, I was like editing the video on the ground. I'm like, in Jesus' name. Amen. I got that video. So when I got in Michigan, I'm like, look. And then I'm like, Gina, thus saith the Lord. I said, why do you ask me if I know David Crank? He said, Brother Tony, that's my cousin. David didn't know that I was talking to Gina. Bishop McCool didn't know that I knew David Crank, but God knew. And, and one day, God put it all together. It, he, he put it all together. And it wasn't, that, it wasn't that far down the road, maybe a few weeks or a month, maybe a month and a half, where Gina and I got to talking. And she said, you know what? If we're going to do this thing, because she's, she's the boss, you know. If you're going to do this thing, we're going to do this thing this year. I'm like... Jesus. I mean, I gave him, I gave him, a, I gave him every praise. I gave him guitar praise and I gave him the praise. I mean, I gave it all to him. The word, just like he said it, came to pass. In December the 4th, we got married. Seven broken people became one whole family. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Would you stand with me in this house? But you know what I had to do? Until the word was fulfilled, I had to trust. I had to trust. If God says it, God will do it. I had to trust that when I saw nothing, 
the word was at work for me. I had to trust this cannot lie. This cannot return void. He will do what he said he will do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know. I know we're, about, we're having a graduation service, but I, I'm going to pray for people right before that. Graduates, because I feel it strong in my spirit to speak. If you're still not sure how you're going to finance going to college, I know a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And the Bible says all the gold and the silver is in his hands. You are not a pauper. You're the son of a king. You're the daughter of a king. You're royalty. And I just speak over you right now. Government grants. I speak, I speak finances. I speak blessing. I speak money. Come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Because the church of the living God is not full of paupers. It's full of princes and princesses. And I declare the hand of the Lord favors you. I declare that as you get a job, your resume rises to the top. I speak increase i speak provision i speak the blessing of the lord upon the fruits of your labor in the mighty name of jesus christ i'm here to tell you that i am a living witness that his word never fails and if you need a miracle today if you need healing today if you need maybe you say you say pastor i i i don't even have a word to hold on to i need a word like somebody right now is like, I need a word that he's really done preaching. Like I need, God, I need you to give me a sign. There you go. Hallelujah. There's your sign. You say, maybe you say, I need a word. I need something to hold on to. Or you say, I've been waiting a long time. Or I need healing. I need a miracle. Whatever your need is, I want to pray with you. And I feel I'm going to do it the way like I, like I do if I, if I was at home. I'm going to count to three because I'm a Pentecostal evangelist. We all count to three. I'm going to count to three. And if you need a miracle, you need a word, I want you to join me in this altar because I believe that heaven is about to meet us right here. There was a strong anointing on the first service, but I don't have to tell you about the first service because God's about to do it right now, right here. One, two, three, come. God bless you. What am I praying for today? I just got word this week from Yale University that they're going to start having clinical trials. Hopefully it'll be announced by June 1st, the one year anniversary of my injury. And it's a very promising treatment. God is good. He said, I'm he's, I asked him, what do you want me to pray for? He said, me and the 300,000 people that are suffering from a spinal cord injury. He said, there's a clinical trial at, w at what? At Yale. All right, let me help you here. Because, uh, let, let me, and, and I mean this in a nice way. I don't, I'm not being, I hope you understand. I'm not, I'm not disrespectful. Let me detox some of the things we've been taught. Well, but let's just pray. And you, no, no, Listen, God answers prayer. God does miracles. He does instant miracles. But God also gives doctors wisdom to help us. And God created the ingredients that are in medicine that help us. So whether it's medicinal, whether it's the doctor, or whether it's the prayer of faith, God always gets the glory because he gave the wisdom, he gave the ingredients, and he answers the prayer of the righteous. 
So I am going to pray for my brother. What's your name? Mac. Matt? Mac. Mac. I'm praying for Brother Mac today. I'm praying the prayer of faith. And I'm praying that God gives those doctors in Yale wisdom. I'm, in fact, I'm praying that God does the miracle in front of the doctors in Yale so that those Ivy League doctors will be blown away, blown away and they'll know there is a God that still heals and delivers and does the work. I'm praying for you, Brother Mac. He's, st he's standing, and I'm sure that's hurting. I'm sure that's not easy. But he took a step of faith, and he stood out of that wheelchair. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, I ask you to give Brother Matt complete healing from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. May his spine be completely healed. Anything that's out of order, let it come into order. Anything that was cut that needs to be uncut, let it cut. Father, let there be a creative miracle down his spine, down his back. Let the pain subside and let him live the best years of his life from this day forward. Father, I thank you that the doctors have wisdom. I thank you for the things you and created that are in the medicine that we take but I thank you Father that be it through the doctor be it through medicine be it through surgery or be it through the prayer of faith I praise you because you get the glory and I declare you're going to get the glory out of Brother Mac's life in the name of Jesus of Nazareth hallelujah now hallelujah hallelujah he took a step of faith I didn't ask him to step out of that wheelchair I, he, he did that. He did that. That's a, that's a step of faith. Pain in the offering, but he did it. I want to pray over you today. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to pray what I call the prayer of faith. I'm going to speak healing over you. I'm going to speak salvation and speak deliverance over you. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing. The Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. I'm going to speak it over you. Jesus never said, oh God, would you please heal? He spoke to the condition. Jesus said, the things that I do, so shall you do. So I speak to the condition. When I finish praying this prayer and I shout the word now, this praise team is going to come in strong and we're going to worship God. The Holy Ghost is going to fall and God is about to pour out signs, miracles, and wonders. Now, if you're comfortable with it, if it's your custom, you don't have to do anything you don't feel like doing. But if you are able to and you would do it, would you raise your hands in the presence of God? Those of you that didn't come forward, I'm asking you to create a canopy of praise, an atmosphere of praise. And we're going to invite, I feel your presence here, Jesus, right now. I feel your presence here right now. Whew. Singers, get ready. Musicians, get ready. As soon as you hear me shout now, you come in strong. By the authority of the Word of God, by the power that's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I take authority over sin, sickness, and disease. I take authority over rheumatoid arthritis. I take authority over every cancer represented in this house. I take authority over every spinal condition and bone condition and every blood condition. I take authority over migraines and carpal tunnel syndrome. I take authority over everything that ails your body. That person that's walking with severe pain in your left hip and coming down your leg. And, and, and I know they keep telling you it's sciatica, but it doesn't go away. I speak healing to that in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak healing. I speak 
speak deliverance. I command you to be healed. I command you to be delivered. I command you to be restored. Every sin, sickness, and disease, I take authority and I say you must leave this place in Jesus' mighty name. Now by the authority of his word, receive your miracle, receive your healing, receive your deliverance, receive it now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Lift your voice and give God the praise. today by the power of God, the power of God. I'll break Hallelujah. the castle that lay between Jesus. us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, Jesus. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into Through the darkness 
exaggerate Jesus when I was walking through the crowd and because it's such a large crowd I'm not gonna because it might be for multiple people but as I feel I, I, I feel like I was praying for some people that have lived certain lifestyles in the past you've been involved in businesses or you've been involved in some things that you and I both know you shouldn't have done in the past and condemnation has your heart gripped this is what I felt condemnation is that is that thing that makes you feel like you're not good enough like you're never going to be forgiven. You're never going to be clean. Like death is imminent. Like God can't forgive. He can forgive everybody, but he can't forgive you. The Bible calls that condemnation. And as I was walking through the crowd, I felt that at least three different times. And so God spoke to me at the beginning of last year. I heard him. He said, I'm trying to be really good to my kids, but they don't think they deserve it. They don't think they qualify for it. And he said, they call it insecurity nowadays. He said, but all it is is the old spirit of condemnation. But remind my people, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. 
So in Jesus' name, I take authority over the spirit of condemnation that I feel in this place. I tell you, you have no you have no hold over these people you have no authority in this house I command you to leave this place in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and now I declare lady I declare sir I declare other lady that I felt it over I declare you can come boldly before the throne of grace and you can ask anything that you need of God because today the son has set you free and it is written he whom the son has set free is free indeed you're free you're delivered somebody give him praise right now Pastor Chad, the last thing I'll speak over this house before I give it to Pastor Chad. We were talking right before service. You know, I, I got family in West Virginia. They're way up in yonder hill. I mean, place where you don't know. They're up in Payton City. Most people in West Virginia, they're like, yeah, I don't know where that is. I mean, that's, you know it's in a remote place if you don't know where it is. I've driven on 64 past Greenbrier for years. I didn't know this was here. I didn't know this was here. But look what God was doing. Look what God was doing. Now, I, I said in the first service, and I'm going to allude to what I said about world harvest, but I feel the spirit of prophecy on me to speak to this house. Because God built this. Here's the word of the Lord. This is a prophetic word. You can write it down, and it will come to pass. God said, I was building this house in private when no man saw it. No woman knew what I was doing. He said, but I kept you in private and I built you in private. But now the Lord says, I expose what I have done. I'm putting the spotlight on this church. I'm causing my light to shine. People will be attracted to the green briar. They will be attracted. Come here, pastor. For the Lord would speak to this house and he'd say there was a pool called Bethesda where people would come from miles around because they knew that in Bethesda people were healed. In Bethesda they were delivered. And the Lord says no one went to Bethesda to die. They went to Bethesda to live. And the Lord says I have called you to be the modern day Bethesda. I have called you to be the modern day Bethesda. And yea, they will come from miles away. They will come from countries far away. They will come because they say if I I get to Bethesda I will be healed I will be delivered and I will live again give them the Lord says I have called this house to be a modern-day Bethesda and the Lord says now I will expose the nation to the greatness of this house and I will cause them to come from around the nation and I will cause them to come from other nations and when they come they will find a house of healing they will find a house of deliverance for I will not visit this house occasionally I will take residence in this house says the Spirit of the Lord for I call this place Bethesda saith the Lord hallelujah there's a church he and I know in Ohio it's in the middle of fields called World Harvest Church Pastor Rod Parsley you know who he is one of the generals of the faith he's out in the middle of fields out, outside of Columbus, Ohio and God took that church and has touched the world. Well, God would have me remind you today, not because you're in the middle of fields, but because sometimes people don't 
give a lot. I, let's just let's call it what it is. Sometimes people don't give West Virginia the credit that it's due unless it's football season. Hallelujah. But the Lord will tell me, the Lord would tell me to tell you if I did it one time in Columbus, I'm about to do it with this city. I'm about to do it with this church. I prophesy to you. That means it's going to come to pass. Thus saith the Lord, I will use this church to touch the world with my glory, says the Spirit of God. You ought to give them praise right now. I bless this man. I bless his family. I bless everything he touches. I declare this church is going to be debt free in less time than what you think it is. I declare the Lord is going to do a mighty work and the world will know that the God of Bethesda is the God of the world. Give him praise. How many receive this word? Come on. Come on. Can you let Pastor Tony know how much you appreciate him? Come on. This... I got to do one more thing. Can I obey God real quick? just bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around. There are people that are here today and you may have been here just because somebody invited you because you knew there was a graduation part of this service, which we're getting ready to get to. But what's happened is, is you're in this environment and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. And the truth is you need Jesus. You need to have your sins forgiven. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and I want to give you that opportunity right now if that is you if I'm speaking to you would you just throw your hand up right there where where you are and say that's me I, I want to know that I'm ready for heaven come on thank you for these hands three hands right here up front I see those hands four five over here six seven eight nine ten where else are you I see an 11th one back there another one there 12 come on who else says there's another one online. God bless you. 13 people. Any more hands before we pray? Anyone else? Every voice lifted. We're going to welcome some people into the family of God. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for all my sins to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate 13 people that have just made a decision to follow Jesus? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, give God a praise for that. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.